blooming out indiana's only lgbtiq plus news and public affairs show featuring music events and interviews both local and global live from the wfhb studios in bloomington indiana this is blooming out hey there loves you're listening to blooming out one of the nation's longest running radio shows dedicated to covering news personalities and life from the lgbtiq experience i'm melanie davis and i'm justin robertson and i'm lucas fisher and I'm Cam McQueen. Today, we have a really great show. Dr. Cam McQueen is with us tonight. He's an educator in many disciplines and now a full-time public speaker. There's the upcoming 18th annual Bloomington Pride Film Festival, and the Stonewall Dems of South Central Indiana and several other Dem groups are holding a public forum at IU coming up, so there's a lot to talk about. Yay! What's Yay. been going on exciting. with you all today? Well, what's been going on with you, Lucas? Oh, wow. Me? <laughs> Uh, nothing. Today's my day off. Yeah. Uh, You've been working out chilling. in the countryside. I've been working out hard, uh, hard long days out in the fields. Um, you know, not really. Um, Toiling in the soil. No, I've been, you know, <laughs> reeling the film, uh, really? inspecting all of the. Oh, you're still doing that. I'm still working over there at the archive. So. Oh, yeah. very cool. So I'm still working there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, seems like a laid back sort of place. Yeah, it's very. Very fun job. Awesome. Yep. Justin. Justin, how are you? Oh, you know, I can't believe that we're back here in the studio already. <laughs> what happened to this week? I don't know what's happened <laughs> this <know>. week, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Did you go overseas? I didn't this week. Maybe didn't. that's why I don't remember it. Oh. And you are in Tennessee last week. But... I was in Tennessee last week. That's in like In London overseas. the week before, and then now I'm here. Now. And I guess when I'm in Bloomington, I just kind of blank it out. <laughs> yeah. That's, yep. <laughs> At least until it's summer and I can be on the lake. It's like sodium yeah. pentothal, just you can't remember anything. So let's just say I'm doing cool. good, you know? Yay! Good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Despite the No cold. news is good news. Is that what this is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, none of our today. news today is very good. Oh, no. Molly always brings in bad news. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> My mouth is agape. You can't see this, but that is not bad news. Well, no, that's um, true. There's some traumatic stuff going on. I know. Yeah, just I hate traumatizing. It. But we do have to talk about it. Doctor, would you like to <laughs> say what's going on in your I, life? I think I may be speechless on that. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time in your life. For the first time in my life, yeah. I, I, you know, I may be in, an, in over my head here. The public <laughs> speaking is... <laughs> Maybe time to retire. I... <laughs> Not at all. No, no. I've, I've seen you speak and very impressed. Oh, thank you. Yes. An excellent speaker we have with us tonight. Oh, yeah. No, I, hoping, ho hoping that they cover, you know, me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible private speaker as opposed to public speaker. So <laughs> That's not true. Well, we talk all I the try. time. And you're a great conversationalist. Is that what that is? Yeah. You just been so so. What's the bad news this week? No, I'm not even going to do that. That's just there's a lot of bad news, but I, <laughs> um, it it's there's a lot of good stuff happening too. Okay. Uh, well, we'll just kind of go into the good news right now. I I don't even know what to say about this. Um, Brigham Young University students celebrate uh, as school removes homosexual behavior section from its honor code. What? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is pretty amazing. Brigham Young University. Yeah. I mean, wow. maybe maybe they finally seen that show, you know, The Book of Mormon. And right. They were like, huh, 
The conservative Utah school is quietly removed from its honor code, the section titled Homosexual Behavior. That part of the strict campus rules had long banned students from, quote, all forms of physical intimacy between members of the same sex. This is big. BYU officials said on uh, Twitter that there had been some miscommunication as to what the honor code uh, changes mean. But uh, even though they have removed more prescriptive language, uh, the principles of the honor code remain the same, the tweets read. The honor code office will handle questions that arise on a case-by-case basis. For example, since dating means different things to different people, the honor code office will work with students individually. The change also comes as the church released a new handbook this week with updates to its transgender policy. No kidding. Yeah. Are you making this up? No, no, no. It's not April Fool's Day. It's not. Well, I hope not because I've missed a month now. I I mean, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Members who elect medical and surgical intervention to transition to, quote, the opposite gender or who, quote, socially transition, um, dresses the gender they identify as or change their names and pronouns will, quote, experience uh, some church membership restrictions, but they will not be excommunicated as they were before. That policy didn't specifically address gay members of the faith, uh, though the church has also recently addressed its relations with those individuals, including no longer viewing children from those relationship as apostates. Uh, the school, which doesn't really make sense because uh, anybody who, do you know what apostatic means or apostates are? Why don't you tell they're, us? They're people that, that denounce the faith entirely. Okay, right? sure. But they they would be given that position as if they had uh, given up the faith, even though they're just children of uh, queer people. Mm-hmm. So... It'd, be, it'd essentially be the faith would be taken away from them. They wouldn't be uh, considered part of the church anymore. At least that's how I've understood it in the past. Uh, the school also expanded the explanation beginning at the beginning of the code. It, previ- it previously instructed live a chaste and virtuous life. It now says live a chaste and virtuous life, including abstaining from any sexual relations outside a marriage between a man and woman. So see, it's not well, entirely yeah. great. I was going to say, what, what, um, what do they think being gay means? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you could be like just, you know, just in love with somebody. You don't have to be like white party. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, the, the midnight parties at the 501 Eagle. So. <laughs> well, true. But the, it is a step way. in the right direction. It is. Absolutely. They're, um, is. They're, they're not willing to just open their arms and, and welcome, but they're not just pushing away and taking people's faith away from them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a big step. I agree. And yeah. we've got more work to do, but we're always going to have more work to do. But this this um, this is something worthy of celebration. It really is. And it sort of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just wasn't expecting this, and I think that it's wonderful. And I think, you know, it's step by step. I think that they'll probably even progress further. Mm-hmm. I'm sure right now they have to also think about people that would oppose this, because I'm sure that they know that they're going to get negative feedback for this also from fairly conservative Mormons. So, but it this is good news. Yeah, I'm excited. Just a few yeah. years ago, we were talking about um, friends and I, because we know some people who are of uh, the Latter-day Saints mm-hmm. uh, faith, and it was really hard for, for them to um, reconcile their faith with their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they were excommunicated, and they, they went through uh, hell. 
and this might allow them to come back if they wish to you know if they're they're not feeling too damaged mm -hmm. from it so that's fantastic well don't you remember we had a couple on here who had met and they had a lot of trouble they met i believe in maybe at brigham young, young oh. university and now they're a lesbian couple married and everything but it, they had to leave the church they'd leave yeah. their families um it was very sad for everybody involved yeah but so Fair. this is i mean I, I just think it's great that people are actually thinking of people's needs well, <laughs> you know and, and the elders are listening love. finally too yeah mm -hmm. so i mean it took them how many years till the what 70s until they <laughs> allowed uh african-american people to to rise to higher ranks in the church oh is that right yeah well, so that was they they've kind of been dragging um but now they seem to be catching up yeah go them yeah okay yeah. good for them <clears throat> thanks for the good news melanie yeah <laughs> do you want to talk about the next news item because i'll leave the bad news to you oh no you know i always hate the bad news i know but you read it so well oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, nearly 100 Polish municipal or local governments have now proclaimed themselves to be free from LGBTI ideology. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> ideology. No, no, no. It's not the way you've pronounced it. It's, it's just it's like... It's just a headline. <laughs> this is not good. Uh, from the Pink News, local authorities in these areas pledged to refrain from acts that encourage tolerance and must avoid providing financial assistance to NGOs working to promote equal rights. The European Parliament passed a resolution that strongly condemned the concept of LGBT free zones in December. And uh, the Pink News has been reporting on this for over the past year. The ruling party and justice of pro i don't know how to say that do you probably uh spravid <clears throat> sorry spravid <laughs> sorry well it's pis for short pis ignored warnings <laughs> by the eu to not continue down this path pis leader jaroslaw kaczynski recently secured an election victory with a campaign that was centered on hardline homophobic views Municipalities started passing the first resolutions against LGBT propaganda in March 2019, just as PIS ramped up its anti-LGBT messaging. Equality parades in Poland are routinely attacked by far-right activists who violently oppose pride-goers with homophobic chants and explosive projectiles. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, the situation in Poland has been getting really bad. I know that we had talked about that one incident where... I believe a man was actually chased into a store mm -hmm. and well, had to log by a mob mm -hmm. being attacked. And that's that's not isolated. Right. So uh, this 100 municipalities thing is roughly a third of the country. I think we need to take a music break now and, and uh, kind of clear the air.
just look cheap instead. about uh, this was out of a book I can't remember exactly where but back in San Francisco you know in the day when they were just walking into gay bars and arresting everybody and mm-hmm. posting their names and then there was a sting operation they used to do this this uh, telling this just sounds like it came from Saturday Night Live or something it's so crazy but they um these cops used to uh, to go into these uh, porn theaters mm-hmm. where, where gay men primarily would, would gather. And uh, they would take mercurochrome. You remember that, that red crap that oh, our yeah. parents and grandparents would put on scrapes right. that yeah. would, you know, hurt like and, uh, yeah. and stain, you know. But they would, this cop would paint his penis with that and then go into the, to the uh, theater and... Uh, you know, entice someone. They do the little dance, and he'd he'd get some gay guy to service him. And then uh, when he was done, he'd say, "Well, let's let's go outside and you know, kind of finish up." And when they would get out into the to the light, the guy would have red around his lips, and then that was that was evidence so that he could arrest him. What? There's something really sort of sick and twisted about that in many ways. Well, I I just have to wonder what. Roll call was like at the precinct. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's what oh, okay. I'll do it this week. <laughs> right, <you know>? Exactly. <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, Oof. the police is just as culpable. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. 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 The adventures of BJ Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That was very good. <laughs> I love it. Okay, should we? Are we rolling? I we. I mean, we've been rolling, so okay. that that should go on at I some point. Can we put that's that perfect? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, we're it. back. <laughs> well, we're back. <laughs> oh my lord! I love the interstitial it. stuff. Um. So, <laughs> I wanted to talk. Uh, something coming up this weekend is the Pride Film Festival, right? We talked about that at the end of the show last week. Right. But it's coming up this weekend. Oh, it's so fun. It is. I love it. Actually, there's there's a lot of stuff this weekend. But I want to just talk about two because I'm, you know, those two are near and dear to my heart. Okay. But there's the 2020 Pride Film Festival. Uh, it's the 18th annual. It's the 28th and 29th at the Buzzkirk Tremley. What are the big takeaways from today's news release? Well, it's not today's, but, you know, it is a news release. Uh, there's a ticket uh, subsidy program to ensure that all community members can attend the festival. Senior student discounts are also available. Janae Cummings, chair of Bloomington Pride's board of uh, directors, said, quote, far too many people in the LGBTQIA community experience financial insecurity simply because of their identity. According to a 2016 study by the Williams Institute, one in four LGBTQIA individuals, approximately 2.2 million people, did not have the resources to feed themselves or their families during some uh, period of the year. It is important to Bloomington Pride that financial insecurity not limit access to our programming. Find out how to get them at their website 
at bloomingtonpride.org. Uh, weekend Pass purchasers will be eligible to win two VIP tickets to see Melissa Etheridge next month. OMG. What? Nobody else? No. Nobody else is happy <laughs> to see? We talked about this last I know, week. I know, but we have to, like, you know, it's Melissa. Okay. Like, I haven't seen her yet. I feel so bad. <laughs> I've seen the Indigo Girls, like, a few times, and, and I, I haven't seen Melissa. I'm sorry. Well, I hope you get to see Melissa. I, well, maybe we can get her on the show. Oh. Okay. That'd be awesome. That'd like, be good. You know, because <laughs> we rank. Um, uh, there are 18 amazing movies. It kicks off at 7 p.m. on the 28th. Um, and the I think there are matinees that are available, too. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the associate editor of The Advocate will be present. Festival week kicks off. Oh, on... that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peer Kids with our partners at Indiana University Cinema and Playing Film Center. Uh, Tuesday Trivia. Well, this has already happened at uh, Switchyard Brewing Company. But anyway, so please go out and catch these movies. I hadn't for many years because I couldn't afford to go out. It can and, be expensive, actually, yeah. if you um, don't see every night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had a kid. Right. So bringing her to some of them was just like, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember, I mean, I haven't been for a while either. I seem to be always gone that weekend, but I will be around, so maybe I won't. Yay! Yeah, because I I love it. I've always had a great time. And London cried. And <laughs> London misses me. But, London misses you. You know, Bloomington is so exciting, and it is. I love it here. But they have that big dance party. Are they doing that this year? I don't know. I didn't see that in the notes. Okay. Well, that's always been very fun. Dance parties are fun. Yeah. So, but yeah. They always used to close the. the Uh, Where did they? Where did they hold it? It would be in the Buskirk Chumley. Oh, really? Completely transform it. Really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. See. And it was very cool. Do they have foam like in Ibiza? Like, no cages. (laughs) (laughs) Dancers in Lemay. I know. They didn't. I don't think. At least not when I was there. Yeah, maybe that was later. No. That was later. <laughs> must have been later. <laughs> they waited for the old men to go. <laughs> Not before nine. No, there probably will be some uh, after party stuff. I imagine. I'm at sure. The, maybe the uh, back door. Well, that's like always that. an after party. Yeah, it's always an after party. So. And they There's just celebrated that. their seventh anniversary. Did they? Oh, yes. wow. Oh, that's fun. I know. Oh, so that's great. So they have a big years. party. I love that place. Yeah, that's so cool. I can't believe you can see them from the road. I'm very happy about that. I want to take a photo of that before you're it's happy. Gone. You're happy that it, you can see it from the road. It's it's like one of those little bits of of the world that doesn't normally get seen, and then all of a sudden it's there, and you're like, "Whoa, that's yeah. trippy." Yeah, and you know, see, I'm sort of sad that we don't have the well, garage. Don't worry, there. they'll have the garage looming to over block everything. everything. <laughs> yeah, because it was kind of like a secret. It spot, was like a secret. You know? It was sort yeah. of like yeah. Um, uh, where those things they had during Prohibition. Speakeasies. Speakeasies, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was like that. They really should yeah, have just one. those little sliding window things. Right. Now you can see it from the road. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little weird. You can see the painting job and stuff like that. It, the paint job is really cool. See? It's very, yeah. Very we get cool. way off track. Anyway. Well, what else is happening? This well, the, the other thing that's happening this weekend uh, is a drag show, oh, but wow. it's Project Middleway fashion show. It's oh, on the 29th. Um, so much is going on. There's, uh, it's from 6.30 to 8.30, and it features uh, at least one drag performer. Uh, and for the life of me, I can't remember 
her name, but it's like very fabulous. And um, uh, it, it benefits Middleway House. It's in Indi uh, Indianapolis, or sorry, Bloomington. Wow, I can't speak. You have to edit this out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Middleway House is a Bloomington, Indiana-based organization working to fight domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. Uh, Project Middleway is fully inclusive and is focused on body positivity, self-love, and empowerment through fashion and celebration of individual individual style. Come for a fun fashion show and a killer all-ages drag performance, musical acts, food, raffle, uh, basket, raffle baskets, and most importantly, supporting a good cause. Tickets are available at the door for $5, children and students, and $10 for adults. Reception including food, music, and various activities begin at 6.30, and the show programming begins at 7.15. Don't forget to bring bills of any size to tip your drag queens. All tips are donated to the cause. Always Fun. tip your drag queens. Always tip your Always. drag queens. Yep. Yep. I mean, we used to do that in high school. Drag queen tipping. Yeah, that was you. You go out in the middle of the night, run up, and just like, tip. Lucas, you got it. That took me a second. Okay. Me a solid, <laughs> one solid second. Very funny, Millie. <laughs> After the poem thing, I have to like add some levity. Come on. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh my god! Well, that's good. Great. Yeah. It's been a great weekend. This sounds like a lot of fun. Welcome back to Blooming Out. Dr. Ken McQueen is on videos all over the place, giving talks, and will be on stage the sixth of March at Bloomington's TEDx event. He discusses transgender issues and promotes the value of kindness. Thank you for coming in. We're honored to have you. Thank you, Melanie. It's really a pleasure to be here. And you've been in before. You said to to WFHB. Yeah. Uh, several years ago, I was on uh, Blooming Out a couple of times when it was hosted by Helen Harrell. Yeah. Great Helen Harrell. Yeah. Hey, uh, Helen. Hey, Helen. Uh, and um, Ryan Dawes Interchange a few years ago. Yeah. I was on there. So, yeah, I've been around a few times. Excellent. Well, yeah. thank you for coming back. We're thank you for having me. Welcome back. Thank you. It's yeah. always fun to be here. So, un unlike Justin, I hadn't seen you uh, in you know live performance, but I watched the videos online. Mm -hmm. And I devoured them. So that was like <laughs> marathon session. Um, and you've got your own website mm -hmm. where you have these archived and a bunch mm -hmm. of other resources and stuff. What's the... It's canmcqueen.com. K-A-N-D-M-C-Q-U-E-E-N. Canned McQueen. Awesome. And by the way, great name. Thank you. That's like... Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's like one of those, you know, movie names. Like it's a superstar name. Would, <laughs> would you like the history to my name? Yeah. Yes. That's not yeah. my birth name. Um my birth name is Candy, K-A-N-D-Y, oh. mm -hmm. um, middle name Sue, Candy Sue McQueen. So I don't know. I I, I think my parents named me after a drag queen. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah. isn't it perfect? Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I always hated it. I mean, can you think of a worse name for the, <laughs> for some of my issues, right? You know? So my whole life, I, Candy, and I, I just would cringe. So um, in... Uh, uh, well, when I was 40, I uh, went back to, to grad school and um, thought that might be a good time to uh, try on a new name. So I dropped the Y, it became Canned, mm -hmm. and I, um, I changed it uh, legally a few, a few years later. So it's Canned, middle initial S, which uh -huh. doesn't stand for anything, just S, and uh, kept McQueen just for that drag queen flavor. Yeah. Yes. Have a little yeah. bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking that that was changed. <laughs> well, I so you went forty years being called Candy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
That's yeah. interesting. So yeah. what was your identity like then? Can you tell us a little bit about your history? Yeah, sure. Um, when I was, um, I think, three years old, you know, it's it's hard to know, but, but looking back when this happened, what I'm about to share with you and where we were living, and I, I, I'm guessing I was three years old. And um, I was spending a lot of time with my maternal grandmother, and she had some ladies group through her church that she belonged to and met, I don't know, once a week, once a month, but she called it club. You know, and she'd say, well, we're going to go to club today. <clears throat> and it's, um, it was always kind of nice because all these old ladies would pass me around and I'd sit from lap to lap, you know, how, how, how people, adults do with kids a lot. Yeah. yeah. And this was going on that day. And I was just very innocently telling these ladies that, um, that I wanted to be a boy. Really? And yeah, and what that really meant, that's that's how my young mind was talking about it. But what I was really saying was that I was a boy. Right. Because everything about me was was male. Um and I just longed for toys that were traditionally boys' toys or clothing or and back then, uh this would have been early nineteen sixties, so this is probably nineteen sixty three, sixty four along in there. Mm-hmm. Um it was a lot more segregated than it is now. And uh, so it was a lot tougher. In to, terms of roles? Of... In terms of roles, in terms of clothing, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know. And uh, But I really didn't know there was anything wrong with, with feeling this way. So I was just kind of innocently telling these, these ladies this. Just being real. Just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just, yeah, you know, honesty. Sometimes you got you to gotta be prepared <laughs> when you're honest. Uh, Kids say the darndest things. Don't they, though? And... Um, I'm guessing my grandmother probably shortly thereafter had a conversation with my mother that went something like, you have to fix this and you have to fix it now. Mm-hmm. Because um, quickly, probably that night, I'm guessing, my mother had a conversation with me. And I was uh, I was lying in bed in the dark, ready to go to sleep. And my mother came in in the dark and sat down on the edge of the bed and said, I hear you've been telling people that you want to be a boy. And I said, yeah, Sure. And she said, well, you don't really want to be a boy, right? You just, you just like playing with boys' toys. And, uh, <clears throat> and I said, no, I want to be a boy. Because, again, I didn't know there was anything wrong with that. Right. And she said, well, that's not okay. Uh, it's okay if you just like playing with boys' toys. But if you really uh, want to be a boy, I've got to do some things to make you okay with being a girl. So tomorrow we're going to get up and we're going to throw away all of your toys. Uh, and the only thing you can oh, ever wow. play with again is uh, is dolls. Mm. Even if we go to somebody's house and there's boys' toys there, you, you can't ever play with them again. And uh, we're also going to get rid of most of your clothes because you, you can never wear pants again. You're going to have to wear dresses every day for the rest of your life, which I just hated. And uh, and she said, and it can't just be any dress. It has to have bows and ribbons and flowers. And we got to let your hair grow. And and you got to start wearing hair ribbons, because I have to make you okay with being a girl. Now, you don't really want to be a boy, do you? And I said, no, <laughs> not if that's what it means. Right. You know. Wow. So before that time, can I ask? Did, did they let you wear pants and play with boys' things, and they weren't really that worried about it? Was it you were just considered a tomboy? I was considered a tomboy. I think they were somewhat comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't think. I mean, and again, I was I was so young. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is looking back over to a lot of years ago. But um, mm-hmm. they, I feel like they tried to do what they could to make me as comfortable as possible without taking it too far. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was allowed to play with 
most toys that I wanted to. There were some things I weren't allowed to have, but, um, and my mother really did try to, to find clothes that I could be somewhat comfortable in. Um, and, um, um, you know, they, so they, they tried. And, and I think when I was that small, it was kind of cute. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as I got older, it, it ceased to be cute. And I think even though I was very young, it, it got too far out there when I said I want to be a boy for it to be cute so that she had to rein that in. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I've talked to her about this. She doesn't remember this. This was such a turning point in my life. Right. She doesn't even remember it. And, and that makes sense because to her, she fixed the problem. The problem mm-hmm. was I was saying this thing and she got me to quit saying it. So, um, you know, that was kind of the end of the story for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, so, um, Looking back on that experience, there's there's really two things that I took away. Uh, one was a belief that there was something intrinsically wrong with me. Because even at that young age, I got that if it wasn't okay to have these feelings, <clears throat> then there must be something very not okay with me. And it was something that really made the adults and even kids very nervous. You know, I could see that. So I really decided... That, that young age that there was something just broken about me. And it wasn't just this thing. It, it got morphed into this, just this generalized, I am no good kind of belief. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it must be hard to get that out. <clears throat> um, and and that, that stayed with me for most of my life. I had to work hard to get over that one. The second thing that I took away was an understanding that I can't talk about this. This is not something that I can talk about, even to myself. So you had to internalize it and keep it a secret, which... Even from myself. From yourself. So I went into denial, is what I did. And um, I I stayed there until I was 40 years old. Wow. So, go ahead. No, I I was was thinking because you had mentioned earlier, well, in a talk, I believe that you had come from rural Indiana, Mm -hmm. so you probably didn't have any peers that you could relate to or that were like you or that you knew were like you? No, the peers that I related to were the boys. Okay. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and I was allowed in to a certain extent, but never mm-hmm. completely. And as we got older, I was allowed in less and less. Mm-hmm. Uh, at age 40, I, um, I had entered kind of a, I don't know if you'd call it a depression or I, I just was off. You know, I was anxious and having a hard time being around people. Even just having coffee with a friend, I might walk away and for three days later just go, God, that was stupid. Why did I say that? You know, just constantly beating myself up. And mm-hmm. and finally I said, something's wrong. Something's bothering me and I don't know what it is. So I, um, I uh, went to see a therapist that I had worked with on and off through the years. And I said, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but something's bothering me because I'm, I'm just really off. And she said, well, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. So, so we just kind of started exploring. And we were several weeks into that, maybe four or five weeks into it. We'd been into it for a while. Nothing had really happened. But it primed the pump. You know, mm-hmm. it, it got things moving. Mm-hmm. And one evening... Um, my partner and I were supposed to go to a, 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 a social event, and uh, I had gotten ready, and I was sitting on the edge of my bed, tying my shoes, not really thinking about anything except getting ready, and all of a sudden, this voice in my head said, I don't feel like a woman, and immediately, when, that, when, when, I, uh, 
when I had that thought, this this fortress of denial that I had built and put in place way back then at three years old just yeah. came crashing down all at mm-hmm. once. And I got flooded with memories uh, from both childhood and adulthood of, of people uh, teasing me or making fun of me or giving me a hard time or talking about me or just kind of shaking their head. Um, judging me one way or another, because even though I had stopped saying I'm really a boy um, or I want to be a boy, as I was putting it, people knew I was different and they've always treated me like I was different. Yeah. So, um, boy, I went from just kind of sitting on the edge of my bed, tying my shoes, minding my own business to you want to know what's wrong here. Wow. I really can't describe how... uh, how traumatic that realization was. I think it it must be similar to people who have been like sexually molested in childhood and they repress it. Mm -hmm. And then one day they're driving down the road and all of a sudden it comes back to them. Well, your whole life, your identity had been taken away from you by other people's ideas of who you should be. And Mm -hmm. you knew at three, you knew the truth and you knew your truth, you knew who you really were. And that had been stolen from you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Boy, I, I had worked so hard. The way I see it, I at three, I assigned a part of my psyche the responsibility of keeping this thing a secret. Mm-hmm. And um, when mm-hmm. it came out, first of all, to myself, it was just, it was just, I was panicked, even more than maybe makes logical sense. But I had just worked so hard to keep this thing down, and then I couldn't keep it down anymore. And when it came out, first person I ever told um, was my therapist. And I, uh, I went in and I sat down that day and she said, well, how are you? And I just thought, man, you may want to call for backup. Uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly, I cannot recall the exact moment when I got the words out. I don't know exactly how I told her. I know that I kind of started talking and, and, and she said, look, I'm not following you. You're gonna, and I said, look, just be quiet. I've got something to tell you, and I have no idea how I'm going to tell you, and, and just give me a minute. But I don't remember actually saying, or how I said, you know, this, yeah. is, this is what's going on. But when I left her office, I've never had an experience like this. I, I was walking down the hallway, leaving her office. I, I literally could not feel the floor with my feet. I felt like I was walking about a foot off the ground on the air. And there was a voice in my head just saying, what have you done? Because not only had I dared admit this thing, I had spoken it to another human being. And the last time I did that, I got threatened with some pretty serious stuff. Had my mother, and I'm not being dramatic when I say this, when had my mother made good on those threats, I really don't think I would have survived my childhood. I was very sickly as a kid. And nobody knew what was wrong with me. Just kind of unexplained stomach aches. Mm-hmm. And I learned in grad school that depression in children often manifests as unexplained illness. Mm-hmm. That's what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, one year I missed a full, I missed six weeks of school. Not all at once, but you know, a day here, a day here, a few days here. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. So I was poked and prodded and all that stuff. And um, had she actually made good on all of those threats, I don't think I would have survived. I think I would have gotten sick and checked out. So that's what happened the first time that I said, hey, world, this is who I am. Age 40, when I dared speak it again, yeah, there was a part of me really freaking out. Um, 
So that's that was my 40 years of being candy. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's an amazing story. When you finally did, I mean, I know that you were probably in shock, but was there a part of you that was also relieved? Not for a while. Okay. That that took a while. Wow. Um, and and it took me it took me years, like maybe three or four, to really <clears throat> start to get comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I was just so traumatized. There's no other word for it. Even beyond what maybe maybe more more traumatized than what it appeared that I quote should have been, but it's because I had just been in denial and in knots for so long that mm-hmm. it it took it a while. Uh, so yeah. Eventually, I was not only able to accept it, but to embrace it and uh, and who I am and what, know that I'm okay. But it took a while to get there. What helped you get there? I mean, uh, you had the therapy, and did you have? A, was your partner supportive? My partner was incredibly supportive. Um, uh, my partner Judy and I <clears throat> have been together in April. It will be 32 years. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it was, great. Uh, to hear that. 88 when we got together. Yeah, and she was amazing. Um, a lot of times when this happens, somebody's in a long-term relationship and they, they come out with this, it breaks the couple up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it really messes with the identity of the partner, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so someone might say, oh, I thought I'm a woman. I thought I was in a relationship with a woman. I thought I was a lesbian. Now you're telling me you're really a guy. What's that say about me? You know, and they and they have um, Judy identifies as bisexual, which explains a lot of why she was attracted to me in the first place, you know. Um, So she didn't have any of that. um, And that really allowed her to just be supportive. And she just had to kind of let me be a mess for a few years. And uh, uh, but we did it and we got through it. So that was a big part. And I just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other and not giving up. I just had to keep going. I, I kept thinking there's got to be a reason that I've remembered this and there's got to be happiness at the end of the tunnel here if I can just get there but it was a long time before I could even begin to see the light at the end of that tunnel that's incredible I I was crying earlier (laughs) Justin's your eyes are getting all red well it's 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 a great story there there are just so many people that go through that yeah I just I I think that it's just terrible that our, our heteronormative society makes people go through that. Just see, all why can't that, people you know. be true to themselves and who they are? Why mm-hmm. do we have to decide for people? Mm-hmm. Um, in, why did it scare people? So yeah, why did it scare you know? people? But that's, it, that's it did. Thing that... It throws their... I was actually talking with somebody on... Well, a couple of people online, uh, and they had reactions that were fear-based mm-hmm. uh they just couldn't take it they couldn't process things and so they they ran away from it um but you know what you describe is something that a lot of uh older trans folks have have gone through mm-hmm. you know we have these stories that have these they're not exactly the same but they have parallels and the feelings the 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 ways that we had to navigate society uh, the way we had the ways we had to protect ourselves um, are really similar in a lot of cases, and so I was hearing you on that. I it was when I first started doing research um, because fortunately I never 
put myself away that far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was when I came, uh, well, came into college, and so I could start studying it. And I'm reading all these stories from people, and all of their coming out stories or their not yet coming out stories. Mm-hmm. And they needed to talk. They needed to tell people. They needed to get it out. And then we're all discovering that we have these shared experiences all alone, you know. And um, and it broke my heart because, you know, I felt I was the only one, right? Right, of course. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not saying there's something incredibly wrong with me because nobody else is like this. And, and it's just going to be horrible. Um, and it's obviously horrible to my family, so because uh, because they're not on board with it. Um, yeah, and that's there's a universality with with that for for the trans community. Well, there's a universality um, beyond the trans. It's it's a human experience, not mm-hmm. a trans experience, because we all struggle with who we are. We've all been told we're not what we're supposed to be right. in one way or another. And, um, I mean, what's it mean to be a real man? What's it mean to be an appropriate woman? Um, I really studied gender when I was young. Uh, and, and I noticed, like, that when I got to high school, guys carried their books down by their hip mm-hmm. and girls bent their arm we and carried it, you know? Week, yeah. Yeah. Um, the same thing. yeah. And nobody. I get teased from holding it, you know? Well, yeah, you would because that's, you know, you <laughs> yeah. don't, you don't, you know, you're not supposed to do it that yeah. way, you know? And, and there's and this. a boy, they don't, they don't carry their books that way. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. So, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah. so um, but, but we're all, and, and even beyond gender, we're, we're all told that we're not what we're supposed to be. And we're all incredibly hard on ourselves. And we all just yearn for the freedom just to be ourselves. Right. Exactly. And in order to get to a world where that happens, where we get to be who we are, we've got to start being less judgmental with one another. Mm -hmm. And that goes on both sides of the fence of any issue. You know, Mm -hmm. the world, like it or not, the world is big enough for all of us, and we have to find a way to live together. And one way to do that, or one way to start, an important piece of it, I think, is finding common ground, which is you were you were Absolutely. getting to there a bit ago. Um, you know, we we tell um, we tell young boys uh, they can't cry. Yeah. You know, well, that just robs him of tools to deal with emotional distress. Mm-hmm. And we tell we tell young girls to cut it out and 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 be a lady, and that mm-hmm. takes away a piece of her fortitude and her strength and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nobody gets a pass on this. These these are not trans issues. These are human issues. That's true. Yeah, and that's nobody true. gets a pass on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, I was coming at it from that experience, but you're you're right. It's it's some my friends. I watched my friends go through it, mm-hmm. and you know they would subsume their identities in order to fit the mold. Um, I didn't see. It. I was like my best friend was a year ahead of me, and she just changed her personality going to junior high absolutely flipped it from what it had been she was outgoing she was you know tomboyish Mm -hmm. um athletic she was great at math you know she she had all like she loved science and then she got into junior high and all of a sudden it's um the the face went blank and she didn't know anything anymore and she wasn't interested in school and she just didn't care Mm -hmm. and and i was like what's going on and uh, and it was just programming, social programming. That's a tough age. Um, that's, 
I know for me, when when I went into junior high, I thought, well, I, I need to start growing up here and being what I'm supposed to be. So I, uh, I started wearing dresses to school and tried to put on makeup in the morning, and, and I felt absolutely ridiculous the whole time. And people still made fun of me, you know, mm-hmm. because now I was a guy in a dress. They maybe didn't realize that's what I was, but, you know. I love um, it because I did the same thing, just trying did to you? Like, yeah. stop yeah. my God, right. you know? <laughs> all five, six of me, you know what I mean? And I was very femme, you know, in high school. But yeah, we all do that, right? Yeah, just well, at that age, we're still pretty concrete thinkers. Yeah. Things are still pretty black and white, but yet our bodies are starting to change and we're starting to become women and men, whatever that means. And and uh, uh, yeah, the developmentalists call it a time of gender intensification mm-hmm. when we just get very intensified about our gender and how we present. And uh, and when you're not typical, like that anyone is, but you know what I mean by that in this context, it's tough. It's tough yeah. for anyone, but it's especially tough when you don't fit the mold. And and actually, that's a great age too when you're when you're trying to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's though those experiences of of uh pain and discomfort and and giving up parts of yourself in order to uh conform mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those are great ways of connecting with people and finding the commonalities because they can it's hard to imagine how you know if you're cisgender how it is for somebody who doesn't whose gender identity doesn't match their apparent sex right and uh and going through life like that and some people like you know blow it out of proportion. They're like, "Oh, it must have been really horrible." I mean, you know, yeah, it's really horrible. But it, you you still try to make it work a lot of the time. But we did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The kids nowadays, bless their hearts, but it's not all of them. There are still kids who struggle so hard. Oh yeah. Um, to to be who their society, their culture tells them to be, and um. And they fight and fight and fight to try to do that. And they fail. And that becomes another failure. Mm-hmm. That becomes another layer of uh, shame is that you couldn't do that. Um, you know, we meet so many kids now, like the kids that we had on from Spencer yeah. and their GSA and who totally accept non-binary, mm-hmm. trans, mm-hmm. queer. I just think it's amazing. I'm like, if I had only had that when I was yeah. growing up, I think it's a beautiful thing. So I really want to give a shout out to those wonderful kids who have these open minds and yeah. open hearts. And their yeah. parents. I love it. And who are parents. struggling because, yeah. you know, the parents are, are um, my generation, mm-hmm. you know, Gen X. Yeah. And for these kids, and they are, they grew up in the binary. It was really difficult for me to even wrap my head around like non-binary identity because I have a binary identity. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, really, what's, how does that work? You know? And so I'm put in that position of like, what do you mean? That This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, I, I don't have a problem with people who struggle with that. It, it took me years to get used to this idea. Yeah. So uh, of course it's, it's really messing with people's paradigms and, and what they thought was a very simple fact of life. Mm-hmm. Men are men and women are women, and that's the end of the story. And, you know, so it really messes with people. Um, and, and I understand that. Um, I've had people, after I've done some talks, say, you know, I just don't get it. I, you know, I, I don't know what it means to feel female. I'm, I'm a woman, and I, I don't know that I feel female. And, and I said, well, you obviously do, or, or you would, you know, I don't get it. I don't get it. And 
that's okay if you don't get it. Yeah. But just because you don't get it doesn't mean that it isn't true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good point. But both sides. I mean, it's, 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 look, you don't get it. That doesn't mean it isn't true. But the other side of that is give people a little slack, especially people who are trying. Um, Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it, there's got to be some give and take uh, on both sides if we're going to make the world better. A lot of times it's about planting seeds instead mm-hmm. of, you know, you can't have your, your grapefruit off the tree until it's grown, right? I was speaking at a, a, an HR. I was, did the keynote for an HR uh, conference a few years ago. And I was talking about this stuff, and there was a guy right in my line of sight who just furrowed his brow and 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 scowled and shook his head no, and he was not on board with any of this. I could tell, and he didn't. A lot of times, people start that way, and by the end of my talk, they're they're kind of starting to lighten up a bit. He never did, mm. and I did the talk and 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 hung around for a little bit, and then started to leave. This was an all day event, and I didn't stay for the whole thing. And as I was walking down the hall to leave, he was coming the other direction. And as he got closer, he started coming, you know, shifting mm-hmm. and coming mm-hmm. towards me. And I thought, well, where are we going here? And he came over and he still had that look on his face. And he said, um, I just want you to know that you've given me a lot to think about. Oh, and I wow. thought, I'll take that. You know, <laughs> I'll take that. That's thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that that's really amazing. good. And uh, awesome. I, I loved your talk. And you did say something that really stuck with me when you said we are the only creatures on the planet who continually uh, punish ourselves for failing to be what we think we should be. Yeah, that comes from uh, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And, mm-hmm. you know, he says we're the only creatures who do that, uh, continually punish ourselves. And no one abuses us more than we abuse ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's so true because, Absolutely. you know, really we is. may make a mistake and some way, someone may just ream it for us, but then we're liable to just keep reaming ourselves for years after that. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people, myself even, who go over and over things that mm-hmm. years ago that we said or did, and there's no way we can change it, but we're still upset about it. We're so it's hard still on traumatizing. Ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves, and it makes us hard on each other. Right. Now, that that's... So there's the trans 101 part mm-hmm. uh, that you'd give talks on, but there's also uh, the second part of that. And, and that's uh, the kindness thing, which you've, you've been bringing up slowly. Uh, and being from Chicago, kindness is kind of like a foreign concept. But can you, can you kind, of, uh, kind of sum up where you, you came to that from and... And how you, uh, how that changed the way you present things, or maybe it, it sure. came from the beginning. I don't know. Um, I find that the energy of kindness is incredibly powerful, because um, kindness can improve almost any situation. I mean, think about the gridlock we have in Washington right now. Mm-hmm. We're so polarized; the two sides won't even talk to each other. If you can just imagine, if you could just go in and put kindness in the water and everybody be just 5% kinder than they are right now, just with that much of a shift, it's pretty easy to imagine the two sides not only talking but actually listening to one another. And then once people start listening, um, then we can start finding solutions. Right now, it's all just about winning at the expense of the other side. So um, kindness is, I, I find, to just be incredibly powerful. And, and my suggestion 
to really change the world is, is we just need to be just a little bit kinder, just a little bit. Smile at the person who takes your money. Um, I had some work done on my car um, just like last week, and the guy, the guy put something in, and it didn't work. And mm. I hadn't left, and I went back and said, it's not quite working. And he got in there, and he, and he said, oh, I, I, I plugged something in the wrong place. And he was so sure I was just going to ream him out, you know. And I said, it's okay. It's all right. You know, it happens. And he was just, he was just floored by just that little bit of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, another story. It, it really does. I, um, I ran into someone that I had gone to high school with who was younger than me. He was probably, I don't know, five or six years younger than me. But I, I knew him. He lived in, in the same area where I lived. And, um. When I when I finished undergrad, I did some uh, substitute teaching till I found a job and found my way, and I'd gone back to my old high school. And uh, like I don't know, twenty or thirty years after the fact, this kid tells me that I had gone back and was subbing for his homeroom teacher. Uh-huh. And that morning they did morning announcements over the intercom, and he and another kid had lettered in golf. That and so they announced that. Now. You know, golf was not much, you know, nobody cared about golf back then at this particular place in Indiana where I where I went to school. Nobody nobody cared. But um, they had just lettered and I and I said, hey, way to go, guys, or something. I mean, I don't remember, but I made some kind of a little big deal about it. And he told me like 20 or 30 years later, he says, well, you know, we were we were stepping pretty high the rest of the day. Wow. Now that stayed with, you know, that was just a little bit. I wasn't even trying, you know, just. So just a little bit of kindness. Um, I'm amazed at how we walk down the street and we don't make eye contact, you know, and we, all we do is apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. If you get within 10 feet of somebody, we apologize to each other. But just a little bit of kindness can snowball and kindness is contagious. And, when uh, I didn't, I never kind of like put this into a, a greater practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should. Um, when I was working in downtown Indy, I had detransitioned uh, job-wise uh, just so I could get a job at Borders. And then I retransitioned uh, on the job. And so it was like this little hiccup in my um, social life. And I hadn't worked retail before. I'd worked in offices. I'd worked in all sorts of things. But I never worked retail with so many people. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching all these people. And they're angry or they're they're yeah. tense and they're going from one place to another, doing the thing they do and then going back. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just smiling at people, just the act of smiling changed the way that they interacted with me. Also, I told them no. And then they were like, what? And then smile and then you break them. Right. right break right, them out and right. then you make it ridiculous. And then they're like, oh, my gosh. But you you engage. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this is. That hits right up my alley for yeah. what you're doing. So A little bit of that goes a long way. Yeah. And, and if we just would make, and I'm not talking about doing it perfect because we're never going to do it perfect, but that's part of that I'm not good enough stuff. You yeah. Know, well, I, I messed it up yesterday. Yeah, well, you're going to mess it up tomorrow too. You know, it's just part of the human experience. Uh, but if we all just would just, let, and it doesn't even have to be all of us, but if, if some of us would just be just a little bit kinder, it's going to snowball and it's going to make a difference. And this is your TEDx talk? It's uh, it's parts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll be in there. So tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, uh, March 6th. 
which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Friday coming up uh, at the Buzzkirk Chumley. And I'm really excited about it. TEDx has been on my bucket list. I've been wanting to do a TED Talk, so I'm pretty so excited about that. It's my first TED Talk. Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I think yeah. it'll be a huge hit. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Now, uh, there are tickets that you have to buy for this, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can go to TEDxBloomington.com. Oh, and, uh And uh, that will have all that information Fantastic. about time and, and, and uh, tickets and all of that. That's very exciting. Oh, I can't wait. I'm yeah. going to be there. Excited. It's going to be exciting. Great. Buzzkirk's right. going to see a lot of us, right? <laughs> yeah, the next couple of weeks. You might as well just camp out. Right. <laughs> Moving in. We are out of time again. Thank you for coming in, Dr. Ken. Yes, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. I had such a good time. Yes, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, we'll have to reel you back in at some point because there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Anytime. I feel like we could just talk to you forever. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Lucas is over here. Like... <laughs> He's a little engineer rat. <laughs> I'm here. Thank you to the listeners. Listeners, Let's start that over again. Sorry. Thank you to all the listeners out there. And a huge thank you to the volunteers at WFHB that make this show possible. Blooming Out is produced by Melanie Davis and Kate Young. Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio. Lucas Fisher is our esteemed engineer and sometimes host. Mm-hmm. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Dandy Dandelion Robertson. Had to switch it up. You did switch it up. All right. <laughs> and I'm Melanie Davis. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out family. Good night.